Blog Talk Radio. We all have inner work to do. Real life, real faith is an opportunity to connect with Cheryl and her guests as they take you on a journey to help you become your authentic self. Whether you need help goal setting, developing coping skills, or connecting with a power greater than yourself, Cheryl is here to walk with you on your path to personal transformation. Get inspired as Cheryl lets you become an active participant or just sit back and glean from the messages delivered. It's Real Life, Real Faith with Cheryl Lacey Donovan. Dr. Larry Padua is a commentator on political and social issues of the day with over 100 columns in the Washington Times. He's been a college president and a longtime business owner and management consultant. Dr. Larry has worked with railroads, emerging nations, and labor unions, and with professors, managers, politicians, and teachers. As a speaker, he has addressed international audiences on both technical issues and current events. He lives on an Arabian horse farm near Washington, D.C. That in and of itself is just uh, amazing to me. And Real Life Real Faith tonight would like to welcome Dr. Larry. Dr. Larry, thank you for joining us this evening. Well, you're welcome. Absolutely. So listen, this is what I wanted to kind of start the broadcast out with. I know a lot of times we hear all of these different terms being thrown around. We hear liberals, we hear progressives, we hear Democrats, Republicans, conservatives. And I thought tonight what um, I would bring to the listeners is an opportunity for you to sort of Talk to us and let us know what it means to be a conservative. Or, in your opinion, when you hear that term conservative, what does that mean to you? Well, conservative is is a, a big getting to be a bigger and bigger tent. So it's not quite as uh, uh, it's not susceptible. I don't think to a simple uh, definition. Although the uh, the typical uh, understanding I think in most people of uh, conservative uh, is uh, what's so-called a Reagan conservative uh, people that are in favor of limited government uh, increased uh, uh, defense power power uh, uh, peace through power in terms of the Defense Department and uh, and also a, const- a strict interpretation of the Constitution meaning that uh, the Constitution does not. Uh, it should be uh, as a as a standard against which all legislation is measured. It should be uh, taken uh, as literally as possible within the confines of common sense. Uh, now, with the election of Don- Donald Trump, however, I think that there is a an additional element that has been. Uh, it has been uh, uh, added to the uh, concept of uh, Reagan conservatism, and that is that a certain amount of populism, and populism itself is a term that's kind of uh, kind of hard to define too. It, but basically, it means I, I, today in today's world, I think it means America first in trade, in defense, in taxation, international uh, relations. And, and particularly in the uh, re- area of regulation of uh, human of uh, citizen behavior, uh, this is a reaction basically to the uh, uh, the several actually millions of regulations that the Obama administration handed down in eight years, 
which have been smothering the economy and uh, in which uh, now the uh, Trump conservative the, the Trump conservatives are uh, are pledged to uh, dismantle and which they've done a lot of already by the way so I, I hope that that's not exactly a 10 second answer but uh, it's not a 10 second definition anymore <laughs> yeah I, w- I would think that um, that all of the the terms as we have known them historically have changed somewhat over the years as as um, different people have represented those those various definitions of conservatism and liberal uh, conservatives, liberals, progressives, and things like that. And um, you know, one of the things that I had an opportunity to read on your Tumblr website was some of the reasons why you felt like Donald Trump um, should be the the person that we voted for in this past election. And the first thing you said was because you, you believe that he would be updating the economic priorities of America. And I wanted you to have an opportunity to opportunity to explain what that what that actually means when you say updating the economic priorities of America. Well I think you have to start with nineteen forty eight. Nineteen forty eight the United States of America was the only country in the uh, developed world that had any money and had not been invaded and had not uh, suffered enormous uh, damage uh, from World War II. The uh, victors of World War II uh, were uh, were, uh, the United States, of course, but then suddenly in 1946 and 47, uh, up up came the uh, threat of the Soviet Union, and from 1948 until 1989, America uh, took the uh, the posture of the leading the uh, the world against the communist threat, and the fact that we were able to uh, eventually actually win that war without ever having uh, started World War III is, I think, one of the great accomplishments of uh, human history. However, after 1989, when the wall came down, uh, a lot of the price of the uh, victory uh, over communism and the Soviet Union began to uh, erode very dramatically the uh, economic uh, good good, uh, health of the United States. And it was principally it wasn't just the cost of the defense buildup, which, which was significant, but it was also uh, the fact that we had uh, a, a, a no-cost nuclear shield for uh, most of the developed world. Uh, we paid for it, and we uh, had troop, troops all over the world in 50, more than 50 countries. Uh, we also fought uh, wars, the uh, Vietnam War particularly, and uh, very soon after uh, 1989, uh, the first uh, Gulf War, which eventually uh, ended up in the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. Uh, so, but we also had in trade. We were, we had, we said we believed in fair trade. I mean, in uh, free trade, but, but in fact, it was free. It was free to everybody but us. Uh, we didn't charge anybody for imports. But uh, everybody charged us for imports. And so what, what happened was we ended up with nearly $20 trillion in debt. And 
somebody has to take hold of that and understand that the economic vitality and viability of the United States is actually central to everything else we want to do, whether it's social or whether it's defense or whether it's uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the wealth and uh, and uh, happiness of our people. So only t- Donald Trump, of, of all of the people that were running for president on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, the only one that saw the basic problem of the United States as, a, as an economic problem in which uh, our middle class was disappearing and in which uh, the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer was Donald Trump. So the, his message was that we have to rethink the entire uh, government, all the policies that we had that, that won the, the, the uh, Cold War for us, but we have to rethink them in view of what it is we can, what we can afford in the future. And that was the message. The messenger was somewhat flawed, and I think everybody understood that. Um, but he was, we have to overlook the messenger because the message transcends the messenger. And that is why I began uh, to understand. I think the reason I understood uh, Donald Trump better than some is because I was in business myself for so many years. And a businessman, the first thing he does when he looks at a situation is he said, well, show me the budget. And that's what Donald Trump did, and and that's really where he uh, stands to, now that he got elected, he is either going to uh, stand or fall based upon his ability to uh, resurrect the American economy. Okay, so now this is what I, this is what I want to ask you, and I'm I'm going to read um, some of what you wrote on your Tumblr page. Uh, it says that for years, all politicians did about all these trends was talk, talk, talk. Then along comes Donald J. Trump speaking plain English and calling out the powers that be. People began to believe that maybe change really can happen if this guy can do what he says. Uh, so they want to. So they want to hear more, and want to, and what and what do they hear? They want to hear more, and what do they hear? They hear about Rosie O'Donnell and beauty queens and birthers and a lot of trivial stuff they could not care less about. It's embarrassing. Is the guy we've been waiting for turning out to be the flim flam man? Folks don't really care about all that stuff. They want to know what you're going to do. So I read that because I'm I'm hearing what you say about the economy and things like that. And I'm wondering if there is anything that you've heard him say specifically that makes you think that he really has some type of an action plan to turn the economy around. I mean, I've heard him say a lot of things. Have you heard anything specific that would make you believe that this is something that he can actually make happen? Well, we're going to hear uh, a lot more tonight uh, in another uh, in another half hour or so, but... Uh... Yes, I, I think his entire, the, the main thrust of what he has been doing, since he's only been in office, you know, four or five weeks, but uh, the main thrust of what he's been doing is precisely to try to uh, position the United States for a better economy in terms of lowering taxes and simplifying the tax code and uh, in encouraging uh, American companies to uh stay in America and build and provide jobs here as opposed to uh, 
uh, overseas, and uh, and then also they he has uh, some practical things like, for example, a freeze on federal hi- hiring, and uh, secondly, a, uh, a a dictate that any uh, any uh, government agency that wants to uh, promulgate a new regulation, they have to eliminate two others in order to before they before they be qualified. So I think he's been very active on the. Uh, he's also had uh, uh, very. Uh, he's had a lot of uh, uh, meetings with heads of uh, companies and unions, and and uh, he's also started with uh, foreign uh, foreign countries to uh, set up the uh, the the uh, shall we say the posturing for uh, renegotiation of our trade deals. So I, I think he's right on. Tra- he's right on track. He's doing exactly what he said he would try to. He would do, and uh, of course it's too early to see any real effects because uh, the major, the first major effect is going to be the uh, uh, is it has to be in relation to the uh, legislature, and it appears that it that they're going to announce their. Uh, uh, disposition of the Obamacare here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, the, right after that is the uh, is the tax uh, the tax bill, which is one more than one bill, by the way. It's the simplification of tax of the tax code, so you can do your taxes on the back of a postcard. And uh, the other is, uh, of course, that he wants to lower taxes uh, significantly from 35 percent to 15 uh, percent. If he does that, and if, if, if the legislature goes along with him, then there's there's some nobody really knows how much, but there's probably five, there's probably fifty to a hundred trillion dollars that are sitting overseas uh, in American in American company uh, uh, banks uh, waiting, and if if that money comes back to the United States, even a couple trillion dollars of it. Uh, that that would mean that would be a, a boom right there. So I think I think he's got he is a businessman basically, and he's he is basically uh, economics. He's gotten into a lot of stuff on the side that I I think personally uh, he'd be better off forgetting about. But uh, this this thing with the press, for example, or uh, trying to uh, under to call out by name uh, various uh, politicians, I. I don't. I don't particularly go for that, but but the, he is what he is, and and uh, the main thing, if he can if he can pull this economy out of the out of the death the death uh, track that it's on, then I don't care what else he does. Okay, everybody, we're speaking with Dr. Lawrence Fadawa, and um, tonight we're talking a little bit about what it means to be a conservative and looking at uh, the first few days of President Donald Trump and getting some of his thoughts and opinions about that. He happens to be a commentator with the Washington Times. We'll be back in just a moment on Real Life, Real Faith with Cheryl Lacey Donovan. This is the news. This morning, we are saluting the 2.2 million women who have joined in the war effort. They now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. The prestigious Harvard Medical School is breaking ground today, opening its doors to new female applicants. Today, little girls all over the world look to the sky 
where the first woman is now in space. Military stereotypes are challenged today with the trailblazing promotion of a U.S. female officer to four-star general. It was just announced that the vast majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college. This is beyond a simple donation. It's the opportunity for America to invest in its kids and take an active stake in the future of the country. The return on your investment isn't money. What you get back is knowing you protected our potential. So one day, that potential can grow up to become surgeons and architects, executives and engineers, people who can change the future just by being a part of it. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. A public service announcement brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Layla Ali. I might be undefeated in professional boxing, but there's one problem even I can't fight alone. Childhood hunger. Over 17 million kids in America may not know where their next meal is coming from. That's one in five children. Yet billions of pounds of surplus food produced right here in America just get thrown out every year. That's more than enough to feed every last hungry child. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids before it goes to waste. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank by going to feedingamerica.org. Together we can knock out hunger. Together we're Feeding America. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. We're back with Dr. Lawrence Tadawa. He is a columnist, a technology executive, and a consultant. He also dibbles and dabbles in a little bit of poetry, from what I understand as well. Maybe he'll give us a little bit of that before he leaves on today. But, Dr. Larry, I wanted to ask you about uh, one of the other reasons why you felt like uh, we needed to vote for uh, President Donald Trump, and that was his fitness to serve. What did you mean by his fitness to serve? Well, I think that was one of the major uh, accusations of uh, Hillary Clinton. That she said that he wasn't fit to serve, meaning that he, uh, well, she, she the, the Democrats had a whole uh, list of things that they uh, put under that category. One, one was that he, <clears throat> since he's an international businessman, he uh, had uh, he had business uh, interests. Uh, in a number of countries, and uh, especially in that he uh, had some connections with uh, with with uh, Russia, 
and of course that now has become a major uh, democratic uh, uh, call is to try to try to say that uh, he has compromised himself or his staff has compromised themselves by connections with Russia of which apparently there's no evidence at all but they keep harping on it uh, and uh, the other the other the other issue was that uh, he had a uh, uh, that he had in his business career he had had a, a couple of times when uh, some of his deals had gone south and and uh, he had uh, declared bankruptcy and and uh, moved on uh, that was basically when the whole Atlantic City uh, experiment kind of uh, imploded in 1989, 1990, 1991. Uh, the, all of the big casinos that had uh, that had been uh, uh, initiated during the late 80s, uh, they were all in trouble. In fact, most of them have uh, have also gone uh, gone into bankruptcy or at least gone into some version of uh, uh, significant downsizing. At any rate, uh, they had a lot, and then there were the personal things too. He had been married three times, and uh, uh, they were uh, concerned about his uh, that that one uh, tape that uh, that emerged when uh, there was some locker talk going on among him and some of his friends, and by the name, by the way, a guy named Bush. Uh, so there, there, and that, but then, in addition to that, they also tried to uh, say that he was a racist and a, a uh, xenophobic and all the other stuff that the Democrats usually use against Republicans. So that's 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 what they were talking about. They were basically talking about, and the other thing was that he didn't have any experience as a uh, political leader. So, I mean, it was just a whole list of things that the Democrats were alleging uh, that made him unfit to be president. Of course, uh, in the end, uh, that didn't uh, hold much water because he did become president. So, there it turned out to be much, much ado about nothing, I think. And your 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 counter to those things, is because you said that he you felt like he was fit to serve, what 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 was the counter to that? I, I know they had a plethora of things that they said he could not do, but how did you counter those things as far as in your on your own mind? Well, the reason I felt I felt that he was that he was uh, that he, that he would make a, a a good president is basically his message, which I talked to you about before. He was the only one that saw the fundamental problems of the United States as being uh, economic and not as being matters of diversity or matters of uh, uh, race or whatever else the Obama people were were uh, selling. Uh, but then, in addition to that, I mean, here's a man that had had been a very very successful businessman. Uh, he had been a success. Everything he's tried, really, he'd become he'd become uh, uh, a uh, very uh, top dog <laughs> in business and uh, television and in uh, in uh, various other uh, uh, philanthropic uh, things. So I felt that the man himself was had a perspective on the Cold War and the aftermath and the situation in the United States uh, right now that was uh, unique. Nobody else was talking about it. 
So okay. we tried to, we we've been trying for the last 50 years uh particularly since uh since uh, 1990 for the last uh 27 years uh, uh a way of uh trying to conduct our foreign affairs and our trade and our budgets and our way of doing business and it just hasn't worked. We've got we've got the biggest uh We've had the largest un, uh, uh, group of unemployed people in in the uh, in the history well since the Great Depression, and uh, the middle class hasn't had a hasn't had a pay raise in a generation, and there just is a lot a lot of problems. And uh, he was the only one that really was uh, prepared to attack these head on, and and he's actually doing it right now. So, so when you see some of the numbers that are reported, that that at least based on the numbers that that come out, that seem to say that the, that the uh, unemployment rates and things like that have gone down, what what do you attribute that to? Uh, bad bad uh, statistical uh, reporting. The basic the the, okay. the basic the basis for the Obama administration's. Uh, uh, Labor statistics was if, if all the people who had uh, who were on, on unemployment were the uh, they were the ones that were considered un, unemployed when in fact uh, mo- most of the people really that were unemployed had actually either gotten their unemployment and got off of it because they they outlived their uh, their unemployment outlived their eligibility. Uh, or they didn't even try in the first place to uh, to, to uh, get government help. So what the the true the true uh, measure of employment and versus unemployment is the percentage of people that that are over uh, over 18 that are eligible to be that should be part of the workforce, who in fact are not are not employed, and that number uh, is is has been. Uh, Typically, 12 to 15 percent of the entire population. In fact, if you go with the young people, the people under 30, um, the unemployment rate, even for uh, considering uh, even the fact that uh, that some of them are still in college, that is mm-hmm. that is uh, it's upwards of 20, 25 percent. If you look at if unemployed black 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 men, you're looking at 50 percent. So the the whole idea of trying to claim that the unemployment rate is uh, five or four or six percent is is pure nonsense. It, it's uh, it's okay. nothing but propaganda. So then, where how where are we supposed to look for those numbers to get accurate numbers? Will this administration look at those numbers when it's when it's reporting its own numbers? And how will we know for sure that the numbers that they're reporting are correct? Well, the number the number that is uh, has been has been accurately uh, reported even by the uh, Obama administration has been the percentage of eligible uh, workers that are that are unemployed, and that has been up in the sixty percent, it's sixty one, sixty two percent, and that is uh, that. If you look at that, that that is the true the true gauge of 
the employment situation. As far as what the Trump administration is going to do, the the source of the statistics for employment is the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is in the Department of Labor. Uh, Elaine Chao is now just just not just now uh, in the last uh, week or so uh, taken mm-hmm. over as Secretary of Labor. I assume that uh, one of the things that uh, they will do is to uh, change the criteria for the reporting of uh, unemployment. It's it's too soon to uh, see what you know. She hadn't been there long enough to do anything like that yet, but I assume mm-hmm. that in time that will be repaired. Okay. All right. Now, what what makes America's democratic capitalism so unique? Well, that's. I've written a lot about that. Um, It's basically, um, I think think you have to start with the idea that um, people, uh, everyone essentially wants something. They want to survive, and the next thing is they want their family to survive. And... They, in order to do that, they do they do whatever they have to do. And in, in the old, uh, in ancient times, they went out and shot and they killed uh, uh, animals and brought them back to the tribe so they could eat. But the uh, and even then, there was always competition. Uh, you had your tribe, and then some other tribe was out there trying to kill the same buffalo. But uh, what what so what happens is in order for a society to survive as a society they have to have some shared uh understanding and some shared uh overview of the rules by which they will uh conduct themselves that is the beginning of government and when you have a lot of tribes that all agree on certain things then you have a national government, and that's what we have. We have a national government that is con- that is uh, controlled by the Constitution of the United States, which is the um, consensus of all the various tribes to live according to some pretty simple principles uh, that we uh, we uh, have uh, that will promote freedom and. Uh, and uh, peaceful uh, coexistence, and that we will all honor the rule of law. So, how does the law then get get actually become the law? And and there is the big difference between a uh, a democratic uh, government and a traditional government. Traditionally, uh, in the Middle Ages and in most uh, societies through the history of the world. The, th- the idea was that that law, the rule of lo- the rule, the the rule of law comes from God to the nobility or the church or some group, some group of elite, and they in turn are the ones that uh, govern the rest of the people based upon uh, some kind of divine authority. In in uh, a democratic. Uh, uh, paradigm, the the right to uh, rule comes from God to the people, and the people are the ones who actually, by their votes, 
uh, establish what laws they're going to uh, uh, they're going to follow and which and and one and what they're not going to uh, uh, what they're not going to uh, allow to have happen. So that's that's the, that's the paradigm of democracy, and it is very very rarely uh, been tried in in the history of mankind. Then on the other side. You, you can't if you just have uh, the uh, the government uh, which is consists of the representatives of the people if they are then in sole unchecked authority uh, then uh, Lord Acton's uh, statement of uh, absolute authority uh, is uh, uh, is corrupt and uh, that you you cannot uh, expect that the government go, goes unchecked. So that's why you have more than one uh, why, why you have more than one political party. But the political parties can also uh, get together. So then the other the other aspect of it is here you have the individual people, and they have decided that they will give some of their uh, uh, authority over themselves to a government, but they still have, when the government gets to be more uh, intrusive and controlling more about their lives than they expect or that they want, uh, then you have, uh, you have various degrees of socialism or even communism or some kind of dictatorship. So on the other side of the picture, then each, if each person is basically trying to make a living and protect their family, you have to figure out how how to keep them active and creative and vigorous and energetic and the motivation that is the only one that's really ever worked is uh, capitalism is people getting out there and trying competing with other people to try to uh, make their make their way in the world and that that is an economic system so now you have a political system of, of a democratic republic and you have a economic system, which is uh, each people trying to make make their own way. So you've got a tension between the government and the individual, and that capitalism is a way for you cannot have unbridled capitalism because then greed will take over and people will do un terrible things. Slavery is a good example. So you have to have a government that stops that. But then you have to have something to stop the government from doing a lot of bad things, like in a dictatorship. So, this tension between the economic and economic individualism, and uh, and uh, a government uh, authority, that is what we have in democratic capitalism. And if you uh, yeah. had given if you had given me a chance to uh, read something I've written, you would have gotten a lot better answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, no problem. It was a great answer. You know, but I, I heard you use the term dictatorship a couple of times, and I have to say that I have seen that word pop up a couple of times with regards to President Trump, particularly when he uh, has, has uh, tried to somewhat stifle the media um, and with the things that are, that are going on with the immigration uh, 
uh, executive orders that he's put out there. Some people have, have thrown that word around a little bit. And I wonder what you think about that. And, and also wanted to kind of piggyback on that question and um, ask you what do you think or do you think that this president will be able to sort of uh, bring, do something with the racial divide that is in our country right now? Well, let me start with the second question. I believe that the major issue is is the uh, is is economic. I, th- I think if people start getting enough money to live and that they start feeling wealthy again and secure, and that the economy is up to three or four percent of uh, GDP, and uh, job the job market starts to tighten up and therefore wages go up, um, I think a lot of people are going to stop worrying about about uh, how 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 much of a victim a victim they are, and they're going to start enjoying life, and a lot of this stuff is go, is going to start dissipating. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> and and I think that a lot of a lot of the so-called racism and and uh, various uh, victimization of uh, various groups, I think a lot of that is is angst that is uh, displaced from their 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 the situation that they find themselves in. There, there's a lot of desperation, a lot of anger out there, because their lives are not very, not very much fun. But if they're making a good living and they feel secure and that uh, they can take care of their families and and a lot of, uh, they don't have to worry so much about uh, whether the plant is going to close and move to Mexico or or uh, things like that. Then uh, I think a lot of them are going to be a lot happier. And if they're happier, I don't think they're going to be so worried about race and and uh, uh, feminism and all the other uh, isms that are going around. But uh, as far as your first question, <clears throat> do you want, oh, about the dictatorship. The, uh, mm-hmm. the, the most imperial president we've had in recent times is Barack Obama. He, uh, he, uh, you, you, we, we're hearing about some of the... Uh, uh, the uh, executive orders, executive orders that uh, that Donald Trump is doing. At least he's out there in the open. He's making he's making uh, sure that everybody sees and hears what he's doing. Barack Obama did it on the sly. He he uh, had, when he after the uh, election of uh, 2010, when uh, they lost the majority of uh, in the House, uh, he then started to. Uh, Bypass Congress. He said he had he had a pen and a and a phone, and he was going to do everything he could to rule the country without having to go to Congress, and he did. He had hundreds of mm-hmm. of executive uh, orders, and many of which are just now being discovered because uh, they were so quiet. So, as far as being a mm-hmm. dictator, I think that's that's nonsense. Uh, I, you, you, you see. Uh, uh, Trump is uh, on. He's on television almost every day, and he's got the the tweets that are telling people the what he really is. I think the problem with with the press is that the press is Donald Trump ran against the establishment, and you have to remember that that the press has has been part of the establishment. The press are the people mm-hmm. that have been telling the American public for for all these years. Uh, how good uh, that the that the liberals are, and the, and the fact that they are true believers. They 
it's, I don't think that they're dishonest. I think that they're just true, they're true believers. They really believe that all of the uh, things that are said against uh, this administration are true. And of course, if they can't find any evidence, they make it up. And they they uh, they talk to people that are left over from the Obama administration who are uh, dead set against uh, any. They worry about their jobs, among other things. And they're uh, giving they're giving false stories, and the whole idea of who's supposed to be interpreting what's going on uh, has kind of fallen. The liberal press believes that that's their job. It's their job to tell American people not what the government says it's doing, but what the government really is doing. And in order to do that, they then they they find themselves uh, being very. Uh, ideological as to what what they think the government ought to be doing and it's not doing what they think it ought to do and so therefore they get very upset but what the what the Trump administration and many of the rest of us I think really expect out of the press is that they really try to find out uh, they try to find out what the facts are not not their opinion of the facts but what are the facts who's doing what what kind of what kind of policies are are actually being implemented true truthfully with with real with real evidence and not just going and and uh giving uh, uh editorials as as though it were the truth um, I believe that in my own opinion I think that the uh, uh the direct uh confrontation of the press to the extent that Trump does it himself. Uh, it's probably uh, a little bit of a, I think it's it's unnecessarily confusing to the American people, but um, you have to remember that all all of the uh, presidents, every president we've ever had, including George Washington, uh, had uh, various people that went out and, and tried to, uh, and gave the, the story the, of the, uh, of what they were doing, what the, what the administration was doing, uh, in to as many people as they could. Uh, that's not new. But what is new is mm-hmm. that the, the press goes to extreme, extreme. Conf- I mean, this idea of Trump as a dictator is absolutely nonsense. I mean, he's the most transparent president we've had in a long time, so far, anyway. So, will you, will you hear someone from the president's camp? Talk about alternatives. What comes to your mind? Fairy tales. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. Um, you know, we, we're getting close to uh, the end of our time here, and this last question is just a personal indulgence of mine because I, I'm fascinated by the fact that you live on an Arabian horse farm. How does that happen, and what is that like? <laughs> well, what it's like is a lot of fun. Uh, well, I I grew up with Arabian horses, and then for thirty years I didn't even I uh, I didn't even look at a horse. And then uh, wow. my daughter came came around one Christmas, and she told me that well, one of the things I did when I was in college was I was a writing master of a boys' camp. And so I, I wrote, my first book I ever wrote was about how to teach horseback riding. And she knew that. 
And uh, so she came and she said that she was going to learn how to ride a horse and I was going to teach her. So I learned a long time ago you should do what women tell you. So I took her out. I took her out to a uh, local uh, stable and we uh, and we rented some horses and I did teach her how to ride. But in the process, I remembered myself how much fun it was. So eventually, uh, I decided that I was gonna. I was going to go ahead and uh, get my get a good get a good horse myself, and it turned out the only kind of horses I knew very much about were Arabians. So I started looking for Arabians, and uh, finally got we got a, a horse. We got two horses, one for her, one for me, and I figured, well, we got to have some place to put them. So I went and I built a uh, I built a, I bought this land and I built a a, a horse farm on it. <laughs> So, uh, and we were we're right here in the middle of a lot of woods. So we've got a lot of wonderful trails to uh, to uh, to ride on, and we're not very far from Washington D.C. Uh, used to, I, we're about probably uh, thirty or forty minutes from downtown Washington. So we're in a part of we're in a part of the Washington D.C. area that most people don't know much about. <laughs> Okay. Well, I remember when I was younger seeing uh, Arabian horses and being fascinated by them in the Shriner Circus. So when I saw that, I, I just knew that I had to ask that question. Before we go, I want you to give our listeners an opportunity to um, find out how they can uh, uh, read more of your material or learn learn more about you. And um, thank you again for joining us tonight. Well, you're welcome. Uh, my... Uh my column appears in the uh, Washington Washington Times uh, dot com slash communities, and if you go to that uh, website, you'll see my my work. I've got oh I don't know 150 columns there probably over the past several years, so uh, that's uh, that's one way to find them. It's uh, I, my my website right now is under back is is offline is being under construction uh so uh i don't have any uh i don't have a good website to give you uh you have okay. to go maybe okay. to twitter or to uh, uh i think that's one thing that's kind of funny by the way uh when we talk about the president of the united states tweeted <laughs> it sounds you like yes you're right i didn't to add that to that that that's very interesting it's different it, it sounds like a canary, you know. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dr. Larry, thank you again so much for joining us tonight. It has really been a pleasure. Well, you're welcome. Absolutely. Everybody, we've been speaking with Dr. Larry, Larry Sadiwa. He is a columnist with the Washington Times. As he said earlier, you can go out and visit him there at the Washington Times uh, backslash uh, community. And he's going to have his website up for us, and we'll make sure that we put it on Facebook as well as on our website and let you know when that's available to you. We want to remind you that you can connect with us on Facebook at Real Life, Real Faith with Cheryl Lacey Donovan. You can also connect with us on Twitter at Real Faith Mag, as well as Instagram at Real Life, Real Faith. Remember, you can join us here every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Next Tuesday, we'll be speaking with Karen Jones, who is an author and life coach. 
And um, we want to also remind you, as always, that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or think according to the power that works in you. Be blessed.